I think every one of us that are married would say, I want to have a successful marriage. I think all of us with kids would say, I want my kids to be serving the Lord, uh, you know, when they're old. And I want them to raise their kids to serve the Lord, right? And so it's not that we don't have goals in our life. It's just that it's sometimes more natural to hope that things will get there on their own, that somehow they'll arrive. And so we look at our New Year's resolutions or we look at the whole idea of making New Year's resolutions. And, and uh, you know, a couple of you said, yeah, I have some things I want to do different this year. But I think all of us would say there's things in our life that we're not satisfied with. There's things that, we're, that are less than what we feel like they should be. I know that's true for me. There are things in my life that are not where I know God wants them to be, that are not prospering, that are not at the point where they can be a blessing to other people. And so uh, that's what we're talking about today. Other times, uh, we just don't feel the need for change. You know, it's, uh, sometimes it's not that uh, we don't want it to change. We just don't realize that there's a need for change, right? Sometimes we don't realize, uh, you know, that there's any problem in our marriage until it's eventually falling apart. We don't realize, uh, you know, that our, our kids um, aren't following in a path that's going to lead them to God's will for the rest of our li- their life until they're out of the house and on their own. And then we see what was really in their heart. That breaks my heart to see as a youth pastor. I've seen, I've had many, many godly parents um, raise their kids and, and their kids wander away from the Lord when they get out of high school or get out on their own. The sad truth is, none of the positive outcomes that we hope for, none of the New Year's resolutions that we might make or not make, we just kind of think about in the back of our mind, none of those things are going to happen, or at least they're not likely to happen, unless you have a plan. Unless you have a a strategy to get you from one point to the other. In fact, the opposite is true. What we see is there's something called sin and a sinful nature that gets in the way of all our good intentions. And we may want to see change in our life, but sin gets in the way and it's more because it's more natural to be selfish. You know, as I have a toddler, a two-year-old, um, I don't have to teach Joseph to be selfish. He figured that one out all on his own, right? But it's my job as a parent to teach him to serve the Lord. It's my job as a parent to teach him self-control, right? It's not going to just happen on its own. If I don't teach him, he's not going to learn, right? Because those things aren't natural. And so it's not natural in this world, in the sinful world that we live in. It is not natural for you to have a healthy marriage. It's not natural for you to have a healthy family. There are so many factors pulling against it. You have to work to counteract the work of sin in the world, right? If I just go through my day and I don't, and I just do what I want, right, I'm going to become overweight and I'm going to end up with all kinds of diseases and, and all kinds of things going wrong in my body, right, if I don't actually take steps to take care of it, right? I have to work to take care of it, right, to maintain it. And the same is true in every aspect of our life, in our finances, in our job, in our careers, So many people have good intentions of raising godly kids, uh, of reducing stress, but they find themselves uh, facing failure and disappointment 
And the fact is, I realize that um, there are a lot of different factors that can go into these things, right? You know, there's a lot of different factors that can go into uh, finances not being where you want them to be. It's not always uh, poor choices we've made. It's not always poor choices that we've made uh, that bring, you know, sickness or disease. We live in a, in a disease world, a, a world fallen, right? Uh, it's not always because of what we do or didn't do that our kids uh, don't follow the Lord. They have their own choices to make. So I, I, I just want to say I understand all of that. I get all of that. But I think we could see a lot more success, and we could have a great, greater year than we've ever had before. We can see uh, just prosperity in our finances, in our relationships, in our marriage, in our careers. But I really believe that we've got to be willing to set goals and have a plan for how we're going to get there. Now, at this point, I need to make a, another disclaimer because some of you are already really good at this. There are some of you here this morning that, that planning is your middle name. You know, you, you, you have no problem planning. You're a planner. You know what you're going to do, not just in the next couple hours, but five years from now, you know where you're going to be. Twenty years from now, you know exactly what you'll be doing and who you'll be doing it with. And that is awesome. God bless you. I'm not one of those. It's worked for me. But listen, listen. Can I just encourage you, if that's you this morning, can I just encourage you to especially uh, listen to what the Lord may want to point out, areas that maybe don't come naturally to plan. You might be a natural planner when it comes to your schedule or your finances, or you might be a natural planner in your, in your field of business. But what about your marriage? How well have you planned for a successful marriage? How well have you planned for the future to have kids that will serve the Lord? How well have you planned uh, to have a healthy body, right? And so I just want to encourage you, if you're one of those natural planners, uh, be sure that you're, as we talk today, that you're listening to the Lord for areas that maybe he wants to point out that need some attention. But also I just want to say, uh, too, thank you for being an example, and I hope that you'll be encouraged today to know that what the natural ability that God has given you is not only wise and good and might drive other people nuts sometimes, but it's a good thing, but it's also biblical. In fact, would you turn in your Bibles with me to Proverbs 21, verse 5. You see, we serve a God who is a planner. We serve a God who plans. When you look at creation and you look at how God created the world, there was an order. There was a design to it. It didn't just kind of happen randomly. In fact, that's what the Big Bang Theory says, that there was a Big Bang and, and basically kind of everything kind of fell together randomly by, by chance. But our God is a creating God, a God of design, and he planned the creation. How, and everything makes sense, right? What would have happened if he created man before there were animals and plants to eat? He would have starved. But no, God had a plan. He had an order and a design for how he would do things. Um, we also read in Proverbs 33, 10 through 11, it says that God foils the plans of nations, but his own plans stand firm forever. God has plans. And unlike our plans that change with situations and maybe our understanding of what God wants for our life, God's plans are perfect and don't change. But the fact is he has plans. In Galatians 4.4, it says that Christ came at just the right time. The word time in that scripture is, um, indicates not chronos, the, the like time on your clock here, but it indicates a type of time 
uh, that is a precise, the right time. In fact, the planned time for Christ to come. God sent his son to come at the exact right moment that he had planned in history and in the world. We serve a God who plans. And so if we are created in the image of a planner, that means that we need to have goals and plans for our life. Proverbs 21, verse 5, here's what it says. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead to profit or success or prosperity. As surely as haste leads to poverty or failure. I want to take a look at the scripture and kind of break it down together um, as we look a little closer at what this is really telling us. When it says the plans of the diligent lead to profit, it, it's significant that the ad adjective diligent is used here. It indicates the state of mind of the person who's planning. It says the plans of the diligent. So the person that's doing the planning is diligent. He's described as diligent. And in this verse, in the Hebrew, the word for diligent indicates someone who is precise or sharp. In fact, it's also used uh, um, figuratively for the same word for an alligator because of the sharp teeth. It indicates something that is sharp, that is precise, that is intentional, right? The diligent person is intentional. He takes time to think things through. It's precise. In the book of Proverbs and other books, uh, diligence is often contrasted with laziness. Throughout Scripture, and especially in Proverbs, you see things like uh, the diligent person prospers, but the lazy person uh, you know, falls, in, falls into bondage or falls into poverty, and, and it says it in different ways throughout Proverbs. It's often compared and contrasted with laziness. Laziness in the Old Testament is actually, this is really interesting, related, listen, to the word to deceive or mislead. And isn't that the truth? The lazy person has misled themselves and deceived themselves into thinking that things will happen for them, that things will be taken for, uh, care of for them, that they don't have to worry about it because someone else is going to do it or that it'll just take care of itself, right? Isn't that the state of mind of the lazy person? They are misleading themselves. They are deceiving themselves. The positive and successful outcomes, they think, will just happen without any effort on their own. But profit here doesn't just mean monetary, uh, although, it, uh, you know, profit, although it doesn't exclude monetary profit either. But the overall abundance in life, having abundance, have, like we said before, having more than enough so that you're able to bless others. It means having true success in your marriage, in your finances, in your fi family, in your life as a whole. Having true success in health. And success in life starts with the change of mind. Having the diligent mindset that says, if I want to be successful, if I want a marriage that succeeds, if I want a marriage, uh, you know, it's amazing to me, uh, I'm hearing more and more the number of marriages that end after even 20 or 30 years of marriage. It's becoming more and more and more common. Sometimes, you know, we might be tempted to think, oh, they've been married for so many years, there's no, there's no way they're ever splitting up. They'll work it out. But I'm telling you, there's no guarantee your marriage will succeed 
without having a God-induced plan, a godly plan. If we want to be successful, we have to plan carefully for it because it will not happen on its own. The diligent person plans. He's sharp. He's precise. He's intentional about where he wants to go and how he's going to get there as opposed to the lazy person who thinks that their marriage is just going to succeed and be healthy uh, just because they showed up. Or that their kids are going to serve the Lord just because I brought them to church every Sunday. The fact is, we've got to have a plan. A God-induced plan and goal. The second part of that verse says, uh, as surely as haste leads to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. In our text here in Proverbs, haste is used as a direct contrast to the plans of the diligent. Whereas the diligent person takes their time and is careful to think through what's needed to succeed, the hasty person doesn't take any time at all and doesn't make any plans. They prefer shortcuts and instant results. They prefer, they prefer to uh, find the quickest, easiest route, irregardless of the long-term impact it might have on others or on themselves, right? Haste doesn't take the time to count the cost, to say, what is it going to take for success in this area? The hasty person doesn't give thought or, or uh, thought to whether the direction they're headed is even the right direction. In fact, it's interesting, hasty people, people that are given to haste, that are, are quick to act, a lot of times are busy without really producing anything. They're just kind of spinning their wheels, you know? They're doing a whole lot of stuff, but there's really not a whole lot to show for it, right? That's what haste is. And, and I think at one point or another, we can all say, I've, I've been guilty of that. But the diligent person sits down and says, okay, this is where I want to end up. I may not be there right now, but how am I going to get there? That's the diligent person who plans, and it leads to profit. The hasty person, their lifestyle may have some short-term wins, but ultimately it results in long-term failure. And you can see that principle in the person who makes millions early in life, but in the process they lose their marriage and become estranged from their kids because they're never home. There was a short-term win there, but in the bigger scheme of life, they've lost. You know, I think of the student who cheats on a test in order to pass the exam, but as a result, they fail the class, right? There, there's a short-term win, but at the expense of a, a long-term loss. We need to be diligent planners. We need to be careful to say, Lord, help me to plan in a way that honors you, that will get me to be where you want me to be. Lord, I don't want 2012 to be the same as 2011. I don't want to continue to struggle with the same sin in my life that I've always struggled with. I don't want to just have a marriage that's just maintained and ordinary. I love that song we sang today, Eric. What a great song that fits so well into what we're talking about today. I don't want an ordinary marriage. Ordinary marriages end. Ordinary marriages are unhealthy and full of strife. I don't want an ordinary family. Ordinary families in an ordinary family, kids walk away from the Lord after high school or even before. I don't want ordinary. Ordinary finances mean you're in debt up to your eyeballs and enslaved 
uh, to debt and into poverty. I don't want ordinary. Lord, I want the supernatural. Lord, I want to be a blessing to other people. Lord, I want to be able to send someone and pay for their mission trip to the Dominican Republic. Lord, I want to be able to have a family that is so honoring to you that complete strangers come up to me and ask me, how did you do it? How did your kids turn out so great? That's what happens to my father-in-law. I love it. My father-in-law is a father of five girls, all of which are serving the Lord wholeheartedly with all of their life. Three of them are in full-time ministry with their husbands. My wife is one of them, in case you're wondering. And people literally ask my father, when they see the passion that these women of God, and my two youngest sister-in-laws who are still in college, one is getting ready to go on the mission field, the other one is going to work in parachurch youth ministry, um, you know, still all involved in ministry, loving the Lord, serving God with all their heart. People ask my father-in-law, how did you do it? Because that's not ordinary. And you know what? That opens a door for him to share the hope of Christ with them. That's what prosperity is about. That's what I want. And I hope that's what you want. But it's not going to happen if we just wait for it. So how does a person make diligent, godly plans? Just a few real practical things. You may want to write some of this down. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Proverbs 16.3. The first thing we need to do is to seek God before, during, and after we make our goals and plans. You've got to seek God to say, God, what does success in my marriage look like to you? I'm not looking at someone else's marriage. I'm not looking at my neighbor's marriage or my pastor's marriage. Lord, what do you want success in my marriage to look like? And what do you want success in my family, in my finances to look like? God, what, do you, what special plans or directions do you have for my life? Do you want for me? What do you have for my life? And as you continue to plan, continue to keep an ear open to the Lord and continue to ask for continued direction. God, direct and lead me in my finances. Direct and lead me uh, in how I raise my children, even after they're grown. Do you know that your parents, parents, you are still your kids' parents even after they're grown? And you still have a voice into their life and an obligation to speak truth into their hearts even after they're grown? Certainly the, the relationship and the dynamic obviously changes, but you're still called to be their parent. Amen? Amen. Seek God before, during, and after. Number two, Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Can I just say this is one area, especially in the Pentecostal church, and, and I'm a Pentecostal. I love our fellowship. I love Pentecost. I love being led by the Spirit and walking out in faith. But can I just say this is an area where some of us in the Pentecostal church have dropped it we think that all I need to do is pray about it and then just go forward and whatever it is that I feel like I'm going to feel led to do. And that's important. But how many know that sometimes we miss it? Sometimes we make mistakes. We're not perfect. I could, t <laughs> I don't have time. I could tell you some crazy tripped out stories of things I've done walking out in faith. Bless God. And I'm glad I did because I learned from it. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, it was the flesh. It was Mark and not God. Okay? 
But you know what? I learned from the experience. But you know what? The Bible says that we're to have many advisors. There are many scriptures throughout the Proverbs that talk about the importance of finding godly counsel. So when you set a goal for how you're in a plan, for how you're gonna how you're gonna reach your family, how you're gonna make a difference in your workplace this year, how you're even gonna lose weight, or how you're gonna get out of debt, ask God for his direction, but then also follow that up by asking counsel from wise and godly individuals. And let that confirm what God is doing in your heart. Right? And make sure you ask the right people. Don't go to somebody who's in debt up to their eyeballs for financial advice. Right? I mean, come on. Don't go to the person who's 500 pounds and ask, how do I diet? You're not going to do that. Don't go to the person who hates animals and ask them for the right kind of cat to buy. Right? you got to find the right people. Right? Now, I can say those things because I need help in all of those areas. Okay? But I'm going to find certain people that, are being, that have arrived at where I want to be. And I'm going to look for people that have either arrived or they're certainly on their way to being where I want to be. They may not be perfect, but I'm going to go to those people. I'm going to seek them out to look for advice and wisdom and say, hey, this is something I'm thinking about. I've prayed about it. How does that sound to you? Does that make sense? Right? And let God kind of confirm that. Let's keep going. A third thing we need to do when we're making our plans to have godly plans and godly goals this year for 2012 is you have to be willing to adjust your plans without giving up. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. He's writing a letter. And he's explaining to them why he had told them he was going to come visit them, but then never showed up. And it's interesting what he says here in this little small piece of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, what he says is to the Corinthians, do you think I make my plans carelessly? Do you think I am like people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? That's how the New Living Translation says that. And I love that. Because what it teaches me is, although I need to be careful when I make my plans and not be careless, I need to count the cost, and I need to do what I say I'm going to do, the fact is, sometimes situations come up that force you to alter your plans, just like they forced Paul to alter his plans. And he did eventually make it to Corinth, but at a later time than he had anticipated. You may have goals in your life that you may need to put on pause because of an emergency that co- creeps up. You may have uh, things that, plans that you may need to alter or adjust because of something unexpected that you couldn't control. And can I just say, that's okay. But don't let it derail what God has told you you need to do. Don't, let, don't forget what it is that God has put in your heart to, to be successful. And keep going and ask God, okay, Lord, how are you going to get me around this detour, around this roadblock, to still arrive where you want me to? Sometimes we fail, but you know what? Failure isn't final unless you choose not to learn from it. If you will choose to learn from your failures, it's never final. It's a learning experience, and you can fail forward, as they say. We need to remember also the words of Proverbs 16.9 that says, In their hearts 
Humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes our steps. God is ultimately in control of your life. And it's important that we make plans with the Lord's insight and the direction of the Holy Spirit, that we make plans to arrive at where God wants us to be. But in the end, sometimes God brings roadblocks or detours in our life. And although not every roadblock is from God, can I just say, God uses every roadblock. Not every obstacle is from the hand of God, but God will use every obstacle and every trial that you will face. God will use it to strengthen you and for your benefit. I know personally for my life, I have determined that I will not fail my children. Failure in raising my children to serve the Lord all of their life is not an option. Failure in my marriage to love my wife, to be more in love with my wife 60 years from now than I am now today is not an option. I want to be like John and Dolores. <laughs> I don't know if you have ever seen them, but that is a couple that's in love. Amen? And I, I hope I'm not embarrassing you guys too much, but here's the thing. They are a godly example. And I, I, I'm sure things aren't always perfect. I'm sure once in a while Dolores is John kind of rub you the wrong way. Every, yeah, she's not on her head. Every so often, probably not, n not too often. <laughs> but the truth is, they've had a goal to have a successful, healthy marriage. And I guarantee that they've done specific things to ensure that. It hasn't happened by accident, am I right? Yeah. It's happened on purpose. I've determined in my heart as a youth and kids pastor, I will not let this generation be lost to the world without doing something about it. I will take a stand. And I'm not going to just sit by and let students and kids go to hell. I'm not going to. I'm not willing. And so I've set goals, that, things that I want to see happen in my family, in my kids, in my ministry, in my finance, all of these things. There's things I want to see accomplished. And I've determined to make it happen. And I've learned that unless I plan for it, it won't. I've heard it said before that failing to plan is planning to fail. If you fail to plan, you are planning on failure. And it's the truth. So my question is, what's your plan? What's your plan to have a healthy marriage 20, 50 years from now? What's your plan to ensure that your kids are still serving the Lord when they get into college or they get out on their own? What's your plan to get out of debt? What's your plan to find a job in, in our down economy? I know things are hard, but what's your plan? What's your plan to be more healthy, not just physically, but more healthy emotionally? What's your plan to not be stressed out all the time? Are you just hoping it's going to happen? Eventually things will slow down? Or are you taking steps to ensure that these things take place? Now, I'm not trying to convince you that success is as easy as some one, two, three process. I realize that there are all kinds of challenges and all kinds of things that you might be facing between you and where God wants you to be. But I hope to challenge you this morning to see that if long-term success is possible for you, 
You can see change. You can see things be different in 2012 than they've been in 2011. And not just 2012, but for the decades to come, you can see change. You can see things be different. The difference between a dream and a goal is a plan. I encourage you, ask the Lord's help this morning to develop a plan, a strategy for seeing those things take place. Brendan, if you'll come on up and just kind of play something softly in the background. I wish I would have thought of this earlier to bring this up, but, you know, I could hold a map up here, and maps are really great because they show you where things are at, right? But a map in and of itself doesn't show you how to get where you want to go, right? A map just tells you that this street comes after this street and this building comes after this building and, you know, this city is next to that city. But I use in my car uh, a little TomTom GPS, and I love it. Because not only does it tell me where things are, but it actually shows me step by step how to get there. You might use Google Maps or MapQuest or something. It does the same thing. It gives you step-by-step direction how to get there. We serve a God who's not ambiguous, not far away, not impractical, but a God who's involved in every small and big part of our life. God wants you to prosper. And he wants, but he also wants you to be part of the process. He wants you to be involved in it. And he will lead and direct you if you will ask him. But you've got to take that step to say, Lord, what is your plan? Lord, I'm not satisfied with where my marriage is at. I'm not satisfied with where my health is at. I'm not satisfied with where my finances are at. Lord, I want peace. So help me know how to get there. And then begin to follow those steps. Seek godly counsel. Begin to write down what it is that that you're learning and what you need to do so you don't forget. I believe if we'll make a habit of being diligent planners and not just hasty wheel spinners, we'll succeed. And God's Word guarantees it. Doesn't mean that we'll never have setbacks. Doesn't mean that life will be problem-free, but it does mean that our life will not be defined by the setbacks and the problems. Our life will be defined as one that glorifies and honors God. You know, regardless of whether you're following Christ right now or not, this is a formula for success. That's the great thing about God's Word. It works no matter who you are. And you know what? Regardless of whether you're a follower of Christ, if you follow what we're talking about today, you can see success in your life as well. But let me just tell you, If you will live for him and make him the leader of your life, number one priority, you'll see success in more than just your finances. It'll be more than just what you accomplish in this life. You'll see success in the life to come. You can win, not just here and now, but for eternity by making Christ the leader of your life. Would everybody bow your head, close your eyes with me? don't know everybody here as well as I wish and so I just want to ask this morning if you know for sure beyond any doubt 
if something were to happen to you, you would spend eternity in heaven. Not because of what you've done, you've done, but because of who you're living for. Would you raise your hand if you know that? You know you're going to be with the Lord in heaven. Not because of what you've done, but because of who you're serving. Thanks for raising your hand. You put your hands down. A number of you this morning were really honest and you knew that you couldn't honestly raise your hand because you just really don't know. And this morning you can know for sure. They say it's as easy as ABC. What that means is A means you admit that you're a sinner. You admit that you've done things wrong. You've done things your own way. And guess what? Your own way is not always God's way. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. And so we need to admit that and admit that we need forgiveness. B stands for believe, that you believe that Christ died for your sin. He took your place so that you wouldn't have to die for eternity or spend eternity in hell. Christ died for you and he rose again. B stands for believe. And C simply stands for confess. You confess your sins to him. To say, Lord, forgive me. I want to start over. And instead of doing it my way, I want to do it your way. I'm turning around. I'm not going to keep doing the same thing the same ways. But I'm going to live for you. And if you will do that, Christ will come into your heart, be the leader of your life, and you will have success beyond just what you can hold and touch or see. But you'll have success spiritually for eternity. If you would like that, this morning for the first time or maybe even to recommit your life to the Lord, would you just raise your hand? Anybody here this morning? just want to give a moment. Just wait one more moment. Thank you for raising your hand. Anybody else needs to be honest before the Lord? Thank you. Would everybody stand with me this morning? with a, a group of any size, especially like this, there's probably some this morning that are sensing a almost a surge of guilt over past mistakes or failures. You're, as we were talking today, all you could think about was all the times you messed up or missed it, or missed the mark. Can I just encourage you, don't let the enemy feed you those lies. You're not a failure. The Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. So guess what? When you got up this morning, God gave you a do-over. And you can start fresh today. And you know, you might mess up tomorrow again. I don't know. I hope not. But if you do, guess what? God's mercies are new every morning. And every moment, He gives you a do-over. If you'll confess to Him, and so you don't need to feel guilty today. You can make a fresh start. Even if it's for the millionth time, you can make a fresh start and say, Lord, this year, I want to succeed. I want to overcome this sin or this bondage, this habit. I want to overcome, Lord, the things that have gotten in the way of a healthy marriage, of a healthy family, 
Lord, I want to do things differently and see my finances improve. Lord, I want to have a better attitude about, about life, Lord. I want to have a better attitude at work and toward my employer. Whatever it is, Lord, I want to see change. You can do that today. Some of you have been challenged to consider areas of your life that maybe you've taken for granted or you've even ignored. Whether it's your physical health, emotional well-being, your family, your marriage, your relationships, your career, your education, your finances, you name it. I'd encourage you today to ask the Lord what success looks like. And then I urge you, with the Lord's help, begin today to set a plan for how you're going to achieve that, how you're going to do it. What's your plan? God wants you to prosper. Can we spend just a few moments? I want to encourage you. Uh, Brandon, if you can just lead us in whatever, something. Um, but as Brandon leads us, I encourage you, can we come forward and spend some time at the altar here? I believe that's a, something we've kind of lost a little bit today that, uh, that we used to do a lot when I was growing up. And that's just step out and take time to seek the Lord at the altar. Not because there's anything magical or special about this carpet than the carpet under your feet. But it's because there's something very powerful that happens when we take that physical step of faith. It's a way of humbling ourselves before the Lord. Humbling ourselves to come forward and say, God, I want all that you have for me.